We're all watching and waiting to see what's going to happen with the federal budget coming down the pike later on today, uh, about four hours from right now. Uh, It's a big one. It's the first budget in this country in more than two years. Um, It is also a non-confidence vote due to the fact that it's a money bill, which means that the Liberals are going to need somebody to join them in getting this through the House. And if they don't, we're right into a federal election campaign. And we also know it's going to be huge. It's going to see a tremendous amount of spending in this budget. Uh, The deficit projected to be somewhere in the neighborhood of $400 billion, almost half a trillion dollars in deficit this year alone. Um, Now, much of the spending is centered around pandemic response, economic recovery, getting people back to work, all those sorts of things. Sounds good on the surface, but um, last November was when the federal government unveiled their plans to help the Canadian uh, economy and the jobs market rebound. The key piece then was $100 billion in stimulus spending to be spent over three years. Now, as things have developed since then, just over the last four or five months, Um, And as more of the predictions that we see for what's coming up in the future of a roaring economy on the horizon, there are experts calling on the feds to maybe just scale that back a little bit. Maybe it's too much. David McKay, who is chief executive of the Royal Bank of Canada, is calling for restraint, saying we do not want to overdo this. And he is not alone. The Business Council of Canada saying the exact same thing. Uh, Goldie Hyder is the chief executive of the Business Council of Canada, and he joins us now. Uh, Goldie, thanks so much for taking some time with us. We appreciate it. Good to be with you, Shay. So, the measures that we're talking about here, and all of the spending that we're talking about, of course, meant to bring down soaring unemployment and restart the economy after what was the single biggest retraction in generations. But have things changed that much to when these plans were laid out that maybe we don't need it anymore? Well, you mentioned soaring unemployment. Um, in fact, we're going in the other direction, yeah. as the evidence shows in the last few months here, far in excess of the predictions of even the smartest of economists. We've gone uh, in several hundred thousand jobs in the last couple of months here. And, you know, companies don't hire because they think they're going to have a good week or a good month or a good quarter. They hire because they think they got a viable business that needs talent. So to me, that's a real indication of business confidence. Bank of Canada has said business confidence has returned to where it was in pre-pandemic levels. And, and you know, I know this is hard for to me to say this in the, for Albertans, but I mean, the rest of the country in the labor shortage is very, very severe. And so I think that what we're seeing here is an economy that's ready to just, you know, I could say slingshot out of the gate yeah. here, uh, mixing metaphors a bit, but I mean, it, it is ready to go. And all we need is those vaccines in people's arms, build back confidence, and the demand will return. Most of the people who are unemployed today still remain in those so-called distressed sectors that are effectively uh, complying with a laws of the land today. So whether you're in tourism or hospitality or, you know, um, restaurants and so forth, it's not your fault. Uh, but you had a viable business before the pandemic and you'll have a viable business after the pandemic. So that's why we're saying keep your powder dry. The economy's coming back. Let the private sector lead the growth. Let the private sector create the jobs. And if somewhere down the road, more needs to be done because, you know, things go awry or something else happens. You've got some capacity. But if you go too far down this road here, you're going to put yourself into a corner. And you know what happens when that happens, right? I mean, <laughs> you know, the, you gotta, someone's got to pay all this back. Right? Sure, exactly. Yeah. I mean, let's take a look at a couple of the, the stats that we were talking about. Back in November, unemployment 13.7, now 7.5. Mm-hmm. Uh, growth rate predicted... Uh, at 6%, uh, it's uh, not, you know, it was 4.8 back in November. So you're mm-hmm. right, we're already seeing things rebound before we even get into the post-pandemic phase. 
Exactly. And, you know, the unemployment and in going into the pandemic was about 5.1, 5.2. So we're less than two percentage points away from where we were. And as you know, we're still having this, this uh, you know, situation, um, you know, play, play mischief with our lives, right? I mean, mm-hmm. the pandemic is very much alive and well. The variants are, are having their, 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 their hay here. And at the end of the day, we still know these vaccines are coming. There's going to be a lot of them. We're going to get, get our vaccines in our arms, a minimum of one. You know, I think every Canadian will have that, um, say, I'm just going to say June because the estimates is we're going to have 48 million vaccines by June. So I know uh, there's a lot of anxiety about the slow start and all of that. Look, when you're not a vaccine manufacturing country, you're not at the front of the line. Right, That's yeah. just how it works. So what it says to me, though, is policy matters. We were a vaccine manufacturing country and we aren't today. So days like today, we have to look carefully. Is this government bringing about an actual long-term growth strategy for the country? Because the short term, I think, is going to take care of itself, to be very honest with you. But what about the long term what about when that you know that high of the six percent goes back down to what some have called the two percent trap two percent's not good enough we need to be more ambitious and so what we're looking for is is there a plan to give canadians hope not just for the short term but for the long haul what about all these reports that there are you know i mean a lot of people have been really hard hit by the pandemic of course but mm-hmm. there's a lot of people who haven't been and are now sitting on piles of cash that they typically would have spent mm-hmm. over the last 14 months that money's going to come in off the sidelines too right well, as I said, if you build back confidence, the demand is just, it's caged up. It's ready to be unleashed. I don't know about you, but most Canadians are t- I talk to are like, when can I go see my family? When yes. can I take yeah. a vacation? You know, when can I go to the mall again and shop? So Canadians are ready. Uh, you know, there's $200 billion, it's estimated, in the pockets of Canadians and another $80 billion in the pockets of, of, of businesses. And so you've got what the minister herself has called preloaded stimulus, which begs the question, you know, don't create stimulus on job creation programs, right? What we want are job-enabling things like child care, like digital infrastructure for the reasons that you cited right off the top. You know, I mean, it's become the oxygen to an economy here. So let's make sure the spending is productivity enhancing, uh, not doing what I really think the private sector is ready to do, which is hire people and get people. Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. Go back to work. Of course, we live uh, next to the largest economy on the planet, and um, that always affects what we do. They're talking mm-hmm. about, I mean, it makes ours seem minuscule in comparison. $2 trillion in stimulus spending. Um, are they going to overcharge their economy, and what will, that, what will that do to Canada? Well, let me say two things about that. On the one hand, you know, um, when they do what they're going to they're gonna do here, we're going we're gonna to get a spillover effect. Whether we did nothing today, we're going to get a benefit from the boon that's going to come from that. Some estimate in the tune of 50 to $70 billion of uptick to our GDP just because of the supply chain impact of their actions on infrastructure and other things. But the other side of that is, you know, um, when the American economy takes off, if interest rates go up, uh, and inflation occurs, then that 
that also trickles into Canada. And that's what we're warning the minister yeah. about is, look, money is not free. Low interest, strat- uh, interest rates is not an economic strategy. Uh, it's good fortune that it's happening when it did. Thank God our interest rates weren't 10% when we had to dole out $400 billion. But it doesn't mean it's going to stay at 1% or 2% for a long time either. And so the very programs that you're creating or the very people that you're trying to help may be the ones who get harmed when inflation happens because cuts happen. You know, unemployment happens. People don't get to enter the housing market at that time. People, you know, the rich get richer when inflation happens and the poor get poorer. So be careful not to trigger that by overstimulating the economy is a, is a big part of our message. Yeah, I mean, that risk, right, is uh, inflation and therefore rising interest rates. Things can get out of control in a hurry with this kind of money being thrown around. It doesn't take much. And look, I mean, no one can tell you. First of all, it's not in our control. Right, right. We right. don't control inflation. We don't control the interest rate here. And it's going to be driven by global circumstances and events. My dear boy, events, as the famous saying goes, uh, you know, a simple, uh, you know, something in crazy in North Korea could happen. And the guess thing you know, you know, it's going to impact the, the global economy. So we've got to protect ourselves from that. And the best way to do that is have a plan, uh, control the things that we control. Let's be ambitious in our, you know, in our tr- climate agenda in terms of the transition and make sure that the energy sector is at the front and center of that. They're the ones who are going to lead it. You can't do it without them. There's also no recovery in Canada without the energy sector. So we're hoping that while there's a lot of talk about a green budget, it has to be a sensible green budget and a responsible one that that preserves the jobs, grows the jobs, and creates jobs of the future and facilitates the creation of those jobs, um, but doesn't go to such an extent that we end up harming ourselves. We we know that there's there's no way to deal with this issue unless you're helping China and India. So let's bring about the innovation. Let's be deliberate and ambitious ambitious and bold for this country, because we've had a pretty good run, right, Shay? I mean, 150 years, it's been pretty easy being Canadian. But the world is not the same world we're going to wake up to. And so we've got to be much more bold and ambitious and aggressive and take charge of our destiny. Those are the things we're saying. Now, politically, of course, that's that's not the way it works, right? Any political party thinks about, you know, the next election. We're saying, think past that. Think about what kind of a legacy we're going to be making for our children and grandchildren. And let's not make it the legacy of deficit and debt. Deficit and debt. When we're talking about the kind of money that we're talking about here, and as you said earlier, these bills eventually have to be paid. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I mean, the early estimates, um, $400 billion is what the predictions are. We'll see yep. later today. Uh, could be higher. could be a low. We'll have to wait and see to get the exact numbers. But that's a tremendous amount of money. Um, how important is it to have some sort of plan in place to try and claw your way back out of that hole? Well, as I said, I mean, look, Canadians are smart. I was, and I grew up in Alberta. I remember the Ralph Klein days and the Martha and Henry. What are they thinking? Yeah, right? yeah. And they know that they can't live beyond their means. He used to compare the debt to a mortgage. That's not changed. This is a mortgage, and we, we're going to have to pay it back. And just like a mortgage, the rates can change on you. And so you've got to make sure you can afford it. And the best way to do that is growth, right? Adding to it just for the purposes of adding to it because interest rates are low is not an economic strategy. But if you bring about a growth plan that says we're going to make Canada, you know, the world's smartest workforce. We're going to make sure that they're most, you know, the most connected, the most diverse, you know, the most educated. These are things that Canada has to its advantage to build off our strengths of our natural resources. But it requires leadership. It requires a clear vision. And it requires a plan that has a partnership with business and labor. You can't do this as government. Government's proven to be, you know, ineffective uh, in terms of economic growth by themselves. They're not the ones responsible for the job creation. We are. So in Enable us to do that with good public policy. Let us have a seat at the table. The United Kingdom just announced a robust plan with business and government sitting at the table and figuring out where do they want to go. So 
it doesn't have to be done by yourself. We're, we're here. Give us, give us a holler. We're ready to work with you on this. All right, Goldie, uh, a good take. We appreciate it, and we'll watch closely and see what, uh, what comes out of Ottawa this afternoon. Thank you. Well, no sooner enough. All the best, Shay. Thanks for having me. That is Goldie Hyder, who is the Chief Executive of the Business Council of Canada.